Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. My name is Marty and together with my wonderful wife Rach, we get the great privilege of leading this location of Elevation. And uh, it's awesome to have you here on this wonderful Sunday. Uh, we are in a series which is simply titled Relationships. Um, it's probably up on the screen so you can gather that. Um, and so uh, this is week three of our series. And so our key scripture uh, right across this month has been this from Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Uh, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Such a, such a powerful scripture, such a great one to uh, keep reading, to keep uh, praying through, to keep uh, meditating over uh, in your own personal life. Encourage you, make the Word of God part of your week, not just part of your Sunday morning. And um, if, you, if you're new to faith, if you're new to church, there's a great free app, uh, Bible app called Version. I would encourage you to download it. Then you can have a little thumb more. It's like social media or Version. What, what will I... What like click on, um, go for the go for the U version every time. Has some great Bible reading plans, those types of things that you can you can access. But so far in this series, um, we've talked about we've talked about love in the first week. Uh, such a wide and expansive uh, topic there. But we discovered that it originates in God. That God is love that He is the source. And not only do we see uh, the nature, uh, sorry, don't, not only do we see love in the nature of God, but He also gave us a human version of it in Jesus Christ, born on this earth. He lived in the way of love. But this love wasn't all, you know, flowers, be true to yourself and do whatever makes you feel happy, satisfied and affirmed in your belief. This love, the true love of God, has truth embedded in it. The truth that without Jesus, we're far from God. The truth that God's ways, that His thoughts, that how He uh, does life is, is so much higher uh, than our own. Uh, and then last week, uh, Rachel spoke a powerful message on forgiveness. Uh, the fact that we forgive because Jesus forgave us. And that forgiveness, it's giving up the right to seek repayment from the one who harmed you. And so we discovered from Psalm 1 that if we walk in step with the wicked, that's those that don't follow God's ways, we'll end up standing. And then we'll end up, the Bible says, sitting in the seat of the scornful. There's this progression that if we, if we are in step with the world, we'll end up staying like that. And it's, and it's not the way of God. It's not what God has for us. And so God has called us to live counterculturally to the world. And forgiveness is one of the powerful ways uh, that we can do that. So, so that's been the first, first two weeks. Today, um, I want to speak about pride and jealousy. I know, just a casual sort of conversation on a Sunday, on a Sunday morning. Some of you are like, oh, I woke up, I don't know if I was ready, ready for this. Um, but the first two weeks, obviously, were about some core components that we need uh, to place in our lives and to, to fill our lives with. They'll impact right across all our relationships, filling our lives with love, filling our lives with forgiveness. Well, well today is about what do we need to pluck out? What do we need to remove from our lives? What do we need to remove from our hearts so that our marriages, 
marriages, our friendships, our work relationships, our dating relationships, our family relationships can be healthy and functional and whole the way that God intended it. You see, the problem with pride and jealousy is that for most of us, they lay under the surface camouflaged by our actions, our words, our thoughts, our social media posts, maybe even our lifestyle purchases. There's this undercurrent of pride and jealousy. Uh, Rachel and I may have only pastored this church for a little over three and a half years, but we have had, this sounds like I'm doing a job interview, uh, but we have had um, a lot of previous uh, pastoral ministry. Uh, I remember uh, leading my first youth life group as a 17-year-old uh, in one of our youth students' homes. I, I had great things to say. Uh, I think I was primed. I was, I was ready to go. But uh, this family's little dog uh, kept running into the lounge room while we were trying to do life group. And can you, you can imagine you know, trying to keep uh, year sevens and eights concentrated at the best of times, let alone with a small dog uh, running around the room. Was a, you know, it was a wonderful um, wonderful trial by fire into, into leadership and, and leading. And so I, I thought after my first week of leading this life group, my prayer would be like a prayer of thanksgiving, like, thank you, God, for all the students that gave their hearts to Jesus. You know, thank you, Holy Spirit, how you moved for the miracles that took place. But instead, my prayer was, God, give me the confidence to speak to the family about not letting the dog in next week. You know, <laughs> slightly different. It took me a couple of weeks, but I got there. But, but I got there. Anyway, all that being said, um, we've prayed for many people, counseled, sat down, had coffee, listened, listened to challenges and questions and problems and marriages and parenting issues and why isn't church doing that and where do babies come from, you know, and all those, all those types of things. If you don't know, ask your parents. If you are a parent, um, I don't know what to say. Anyway, but um, honestly, I can say I have never had anyone come and say, please, can you pray for me? I'm just riddled with pride at the moment, and I don't know how to get rid of it. I, I don't think I've ever had someone text me say, hey, can we catch up for coffee? And then when we sit down, they're like, look, pride and jealousy just eating me away. I, I, don't, think, I don't think I've ever I've wanted to pray for some people for that, maybe just a sneaky little one, but, but I've never had anyone ask that before. You see, I've never seen an altar call when uh, the pastor says, okay, end of the message, um, you know, we're just doing an altar call for everyone that's, um, you know, struggling with jealousy. Can you all come forward, please? Come forward right out the front here in the middle. We'll lay hands on you and pray for you. I've never seen that happen before. And don't freak out. It probably won't today either. It's okay. It's, it's all right. It's all right. Um, you see, the problem is that we either see both jealousy and pride as something that someone else needs to deal with, or we imagine it as being something that's so big and so obvious and in your face that surely we could never miss it ourselves. A great author and theologian, C.S. Lewis, uh, speaking of pride, he said this in his book, Mere Christianity. He said, there is one, sorry, there is one vice, and you've got to listen to this in an English accent because it makes it, it, makes it better because it's C.S. Lewis and he was English. Anyway, um, I won't try and do it, so don't worry. Uh, there is one vice of which no man in the world is free. When everyone in the, uh, sorry, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else and of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault 
which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. And the more we have it in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. Whew. I know about you, but so often we are unaware of what we carry in our own hearts. You know, that insecurity and jealousy that we have that feeds the habit maybe that we've formed of pulling others down and elevating our own achievements in conversations tend to be just slight sometimes, but it's still there. The pride in our hearts, it doesn't allow us to really listen to someone because we think, you know, we could never learn anything from that person. So instead, we think of all the great things we could say, or maybe we just try and, you know, get out of the conversation, be with, be with someone else, someone that might, you know, help us up the ladder a little bit, or maybe he's got something to give to us instead of thinking about maybe we could give to someone else. You see, this affects how we spend our money. It affects how we open our lives to others. It infiltrates our marriages, our parenting, our, our uh, friendships and our work environments. And there's, there's many times in the Bible that it speaks of these things, but perhaps one of the more sort of straight down the line passages in, is found in what I would term the fiery book of uh, James, which is near the end of the, of the New Testament. And he says this in James chapter 3, verse 13 through to 16. It says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honourable life. James is always just straight down the line. You know, if you, you know, just show me. Come on, show me the money. You know, show, 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 me, show me the life you're living. Doing good works with humility, that comes from wisdom, verse 14. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things, watch this, are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Whew. I know, is anyone feeling a little bit like, you know, hot on the collar, a bit like, I am. I am earthly, unspiritual, demonic. James is, James is here just, just telling it straight like it is. Notice at the end of the passage how James states that jealousy and selfish ambition open the door for every kind of evil. That jealousy and pride, they, they open our lives to the things of this world. If we can just get a little bit nerdy just for, just for a second, just indulge me for a second. That phrase, uh, selfish ambition, both in that passage and in Philippians 2 that I read earlier, in the Vines Expository Dictionary of the Bible, it's described as self-seeking rivalry. It goes on to say that the self-will is one of the key ideas in this word, and it also lists one of the meanings as seeking to win followers, which I think is really interesting, given the, the culture uh, that we live in today. You see, uh, it's interesting because I was reading uh, an article this week about a, a young guy on TikTok. If you don't know what TikTok is, ask a teenager or a young person around you. If you don't, ask our youth pastors. That's their job. They'll sort, they'll sort you out with all that type of information. Now, I'm not on TikTok in case you're looking for like the real Marty score, Marty underscore I as a, as a handle. I'm not on it, just so you know, but I can read uh, newspaper articles about it. But anyway, I'll let you know what, what, what happened. There was this guy a uh, young Aussie guy named um, Harrison Porluck. He has about 3 million followers. 
and he performs random acts of kindness, which he films for his TikTok account to show the world to inspire them. Get anyway, we won't, we won't go there for the, for, for the moment, right? So, so anyway, a few weeks ago, he films in a, um, in a Melbourne shopping centre and so has his little team sort of set up, spying, spying away. And, and he films himself. He, he walks up. There's an older lady uh, sitting there having a coffee. Um, he says to her, can you please hold these bouquet of flowers for me? And she's like, okay. So she, she holds it. He bends down, pretends to put his, you know, puts his jacket on, backpack up. She says something like, oh, these must be for someone special. He says, yes, they are, and then just walks off. And, 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 and that was it. And she thought, okay, this was odd. It's filmed. It's put on TikTok. You know, a few days later, it gets 57 million views. And the lady suddenly realizes, because she's got friends calling and saying, hey, guess what? You've just gone viral. She's like, what's going viral? Well, it's sort of a good thing, sort of a bad thing, whatever. Anyway, she gets ticked off about it, really ticked off about it, rings a, um, rings a Melbourne radio station, Okay, and says her side of the story. She says that he interrupted her quiet coffee by herself. She said the flowers were annoying to take home on the tram. And that she asked afterward if she was being filmed when she spotted the camera, and they said no. And so as these things do, you know, online backlash, Harrison gets negative press. He goes on the project, you know, which pretends to be real journalism, but it's not really. But anyway, that's just, that's just my opinion of the project. But anyway, we won't, go, we won't go there. You know, welcome to life in 2022. Now, was this some sort of, you know, self-ambition stunt to gain followers, influence or fame? Or was it actively a random act of kindness filmed to inspire others to do the same? Guess what? We don't know. In fact, no one knows. The only person that knows is God and potentially Harrison, depending on how his you know, emotional IQ is. We, 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 don't, we don't know. But here's the problem, and here's the point. Often, when we look at others and we're assessing whether it is pride, self-ambition, or conceit, while we do that, we will miss it in ourselves. And while we look everywhere else, say, oh, that shouldn't do that, oh, what's that, oh, not, not that, I can't believe that guy did that. We miss it in our own lives. Our key scripture from this series, which I read before, starts with do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. And so that word from tells us that these issues of pride and jealousy are the root that then some action may grow out of, even action that may be seen as being good. Okay, so we, we, we've, got this, we've got this issue here. We've got this, this thing that we need to address, this, this stuff that we need to make sure is pulled out of our lives. And just to, just to really emphasize it uh, again, before we get to the how do we fix it type of this, I've got, um, got a quote from C.S. Lewis again. This is from his book, The Screwtape Letters. If you don't know the book, it's written in the style, it's letters back and forth between a trainee demon and his master. Now, when you hear that, you think, whoa, is that all like blood and gore and crazy violence and all this, all this stuff going on? No, it's actually a brilliant insight into the human condition, into human, into human nature. Anyway, this is the master demon instructing the apprentice. I'll read you this. He says, your patient has become humble. Have you drawn his attention to the fact all virtues are less formidable to us once the man is aware that he has them. But this is especially true of humility. Catch him at the moment um, when he is really poor in spirit and smuggle into his mind the gratifying reflection. Remember I said it was so English. By Jove, I'm being humble. 
and almost immediately pride, pride at his own humility will appear. If he awakes to the danger and tries to smother this new form of pride, make him proud of his attempt, and so on, through as many stages as you please, but don't try this for too long, for fear you may awake his sense of humor and proportion, in which case he will merely laugh at you and go to bed. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing, right? So this is, this is the issue, is that pride and jealousy can get into everything that we have. Everything that we have. So I know this can seem a little, little overwhelming. So then how, how, how do we deal with this? How, how do we look at this, uh, this challenge that's in all of us? We've seen the problem and the impact that it can have on us. But, but where's the cure? Where's the solution? What's, what's God's way? Well, I'm so glad you asked. So, so I'll, give you, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on the answer. Number one is this, if you're taking notes, is we need to define it. You've got to define it. Often we think of pride as being brash arrogance. But while we think of it in only those terms, it'll stay uncovered in our own lives. I'd like to define it this way. Pride is saying to yourself, everything I need can be found in me. Everything I need can be found in me. When we think that, when we act that way, when we approach life, like that, I, 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 I want to put to you that we're in pride. You see, because a proud person is a self-sufficient person. They don't need God. They don't need others. They just need themselves. Now, as we hear that, that can be pretty easy to write off and think, well, that's not me because I know I need help. I don't know anyone about you. I know I need help with this area or that thing that's going on in my life. But this isn't necessarily about our life as a whole. I want to ask the question, are there areas in your heart, aspects in your life, where you don't allow room for God, where you feel self-sufficient? Thanks, God. Know you created the world. Know that you love me. Know you have a plan for me. But this little, this little room in my heart here, I've got that sorted. This, this little thing that's going on there, I've got, I, I've got that sorted. I, I, I'm all over it. No, no problem at all. You know, we, is there aspects of your life where you don't allow room for God? We are speaking about this, obviously, in the context of relationships. Do you allow God or do you allow other people uh, to speak into your marriage? Or are you self-sufficient? Have you, have you got, it, got it all together? Or maybe you know that it's not all together, but you're still closed off, still not allowing God in. How does God's word shape your engagement, your dating relationships, your, your friendships, how you, how you work, how you interact with others? Do you allow God's word in there to shape that and to, and to make you and mold you into that person that God has called you to? What, what, what about jealousy? How would, how would we define jealousy? I think that we could define jealousy like this. Jealousy is thinking what another has will fill a void in yourself. Jealousy looks at another and thinks what they have should be mine. Jealousy ensures that the universe revolves around our own self-interest. And this have, has deep roots. Uh, the Old Testament scholar Dennis F. Kinlaw says this. says, Satan disguises... Sub- Sorry, I'll slow down because there's lots of S's. Satan disguises submission to himself under the ruse of personal autonomy. He never asks us to become his servants. Never once did the serpent say to Eve, I want to be your master. The shift in commitment is never from Christ to evil. It is always from Christ to self. 
And instead of his will, self-interest now rules and what I want reigns. And that is the essence of sin. So number one, how do, we, how do we address this issue that we all carry? Well, we need to define it. We need, we need to understand what is pride. It's not just, you know, being loud and obnoxious and telling people how great you are. There's more to it than that, although that is part of it. So number one is we've got to define it. Number two is we need to become aware of it in our own lives. Now that we can call out pride and jealousy in our own hearts... We, we, we need to understand that's what God's called us to do. You see, the ways of the world is to call out others first without checking ourselves. I feel like Jesus has something to say around that. Maybe the, you know, the plank in your eye before the speck in someone else's eye, Jesus, Jesus speaks about. But now that we've defined it, how does pride and jealousy impact our everyday lives? Um, well, John the Baptist said it like this, and you would think that we have been like really well planned and that I said to Kristen, hey, guess what? I'm going to use this scripture verse, so can you make sure you put it into the free worship part that you do and that you know, we're really well planned like that? We're not, but the Holy Spirit is. So John 3.30, which we sang, says this, he must increase... He must increase, but I must decrease. Come on. That is what God has called us to do. That I can empty myself of me so I can embrace more of who God is. You see, we read, we read this scripture in week one. This is Philippians 2 verse 7. Speaking of Jesus, it says that Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of of men. You see, both John the Baptist and Jesus, they emptied themselves to embrace what God had for their lives. They let go of themselves, of their wants, of their desires, of their will, to say, God, would you come and do your will? Jesus, as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, says, God, is there any other way that I can redeem humanity without having to you know, go to the cross? And, and he prays, it's intense, he sweats drops of blood, and then he comes to the realization there's not, and he says, God or Father, not my will, but your will be done. You see, we let, they let go of themselves to allow God to fill them. So what about for you? Where does that sense of self-sufficiency outwork in your life? What relationships do you close off from God's leading and prompting? Do you find yourself negatively justifying why a friend has had the success they have? Well, you know, if I had that upbringing or, you know, if I got the you know, opportunities that they had, then, you know, I'd be able to go to those places or my house would look like that or I'd drive that or I'd, my family would be like that or this, this would be like that or that would be like that. Can I encourage you that the root of that is jealousy? And before you get offended at me, don't worry, we all have it. We all have it. And we're all emptying ourselves of it to embrace what God has. What about for the married couples? Are you defensive? I know I can be like this and then need to repent of it. Are you defensive when your husband or wife brings up something about God that challenges your, your attitudes and your ways of living? I found one of the clearest ways to hear the voice of God is to pray, Lord, Show me the areas that I'm relying on myself and not you. Suddenly, it's so easy to hear him. Suddenly, he's like, like, a, you know, like a sharp arrow just right in there, convicting and bringing his word to us so that we can step into what God, what God has for us. You know, show me the times that I'm shutting out those that can help because I think I can sort it all out myself. So 
As we come to the close, I've got a third point. Maybe Josh can join me on the keys here. Remember, when it comes to addressing pride and jealousy, we've got to define it, which we have. Then we need to make sure that we're aware of it in our own lives. And the third point is this, is we've got to choose to break the cycle. Choose to break the cycle. The key way that we break the cycle is by choosing humility. Humility is not putting yourself down. It's not saying how terrible you are. We're on a little bit of a C.S. Lewis this morning. So one more, one more quote. He said this. If you were to meet a humble person, they would strike you. Remember I said English. They would strike you as a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you do dislike him, it will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. Amazing. Amazing. We could just sort of stick around that for the rest of the year. Amazing. So how do we, how do we do that practically? How do we do that practically? Well, can I encourage you? When you feel jealousy brewing up on the inside, choose to celebrate the great things in other people's lives. Make a conscious decision to lead your heart in another way. You see, we live and we, we swim in this culture that says being your authentic self, what you feel on the inside, and then make, making that who you are, that's, 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 that's how you find you know, meaning in life. That's how you find wholeness. But the gospel doesn't tell us that. The gospel tells us that we find it by aligning our hearts, which themselves are actually evil, but aligning them with God, allowing His ways, His thoughts to come and fill our lives and then acting out of that knowledge of who God is, acting out of that connectedness and that commitment to Jesus. You see, you've got to choose to break the cycle. When you feel something brewing up on the inside, instead choose to celebrate the great things. When you see others made with new and shiny things, instead of giving in to the urge to keep up with the Joneses, why don't, why don't you act the other way and be generous? Shout someone a coffee. Choose not to buy something. Give. It doesn't have to be something huge, but what happens is the small choices repeated regularly bring about great change in our lives. When you want to justify yourself to your spouse and they bring something to your attention, humble yourself. Listen. Take on board what they're saying. You know, I heard this in a podcast years ago and I thought when I first heard it, it was so dumb. See, pride. That's pride, by the way. Until I tried it. And they talked about one key question that would change your leadership. That was the, that was the context. But this, can be, this question can be applied to any area, to friendships, to work, to marriage, whatever, dating relationships. The question they posed, which they said was the key question that would just you know, make such a difference was this, really simple. What would a great leader do? It was, it was a leadership podcast. And now, like I said, when I first heard that, like, oh, duh, that's so dumb. But when I humbled myself and then actually applied it, it sounds silly, but trust me, try it. And allowing God's Spirit to help you, it, it makes a big difference. So you're in, you know, you, you, you're married and there's stuff going down and you, and you stop and you think, okay, what would a great husband do? Maybe you're at work and there's challenges with staff, maybe 
you're the boss and they're challenging. Maybe you're the staff and the boss, he, she is challenging. Think to yourself, what would, what, what, what would a great employee, what would a great manager, what would a, what would a great line manager, what would a great boss do in this situation? You see, the problem is so often we just go into automatic like the muscle memory thing and just respond in the way that we have always responded. But when you stop and pause, and the great thing about following Jesus is we have the Holy Spirit to guide us and to help us. And you say, Holy Spirit, okay, what would even, can I even just challenge the teenagers for a second when, you know, mom and dad are terrible and they're making you do bad stuff like, you know, I don't know, empty the dishwasher or like clean up after yourself or whatever. Would you stop and think for a second, okay, what would a great teenager do? I know you're like, okay, be quiet now. Probably, you know, if you're related to me, you're also thinking that. Just be quiet right now. But, but, but just think, what would, what? Because here's the deal. Most of us know, we usually know, we usually know what would be the best course of action. And with the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us, even more we would know. But God, okay, as a contractor, what would a great contractor do? What would a great fiance do? What would a great youth leader do? What would, what would a great um, bulldozer driver do? Whatever, whatever it is. I don't know where that one came from. What would a great grandmother do? Not the great as in the generational one. Or what, what would a great, great, great grandmother do? Or whatever, whatever it is for you. Can I be honest for a minute? Because, you know, nothing else has been honest. No joking. Can I be honest just for a minute? Uh, this week... We had the, um, the pastor's gathering of, of Mandra on Monday morning, which is always a great time. But I knew, and this sounds so uh, dumb, but I'll say it anyway. I knew that if I could pick one time when I just feel maybe those insecurities, those little pride things, little jealousies coming around. You know, you know the greatest challenge for me is with other pastors. I know that sounds terribly like, oh, aren't you guys all supposed to be, you know, guys and girls supposed to, you know, whatever. But, but I'll just be honest. And there was something, I went there this week, going, being aware of it and going, okay, God, I don't want to live like this. I don't, I don't want to, and, and don't worry, your pastor's not embarrassing you by jumping up the front saying, we are the greatest. And it's just those, it's those little things in there. But I went different because I was aware of it and then went, okay, I'm gonna be here and I'm not looking for someone to give me something. Oh, hey, I heard your church is going great. Oh, no, it's not really. Yes, it is. Yes. You know, I'm not looking for that, not looking to receive that. I'm looking to give that to someone else. I'm looking to say, how can I go and be someone that helps someone else, not just looks for help from others? Does that, does, does that, does that make sense? And see, when you do something like that, I don't always succeed, but... When you do something like that, the difference is phenomenal. It might not be a pastor's gathering for you, but, but what are those areas for you? What are those things that happen that just sort of twist that little pride, that little jealousy on the inside of your heart? I'll finish with this scripture. James 4, verses 6 to 10. It says this, And He gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. 
Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up in honour. He'll lift you up in honour. This morning, let's bow our heads, close our eyes across this place. Jesus, we thank You for the great privilege, the great privilege that it is to come together, to gather together, to be with You, to be with Your people. God, we thank You right now over our own lives, God. I thank You, Lord, You would just show us, make us aware of those times and those areas, those seasons when jealousy and, and pride drive us through those things that are not Your ways, that are not Your thoughts. God, I, I declare right now, this week over our lives, let there be a, a renewed sense of awareness. And then God, we thank You that You fill us with Your Spirit so we can break the cycle of those things. So we don't live like that all the time, but we live in step with You. We don't live in step with the wicked, we don't live in step with the world, but we choose each and every day to live in step with you. So Jesus, we thank you right now. Fill every life, fill every heart right now with your Spirit, God. Let that be our prayer. Less of me, like John the Baptist prayed, less of me, more of you, that I may decrease so that Christ may increase in me. We thank you right now. Still praying this morning, maybe you're here and you've never made that humbling decision to say yes to Jesus and to open your heart and allow Him to come in. Can I encourage you that even though it's not about one moment of decision, there is one moment that sets us on a course to discover more and more about Jesus. And so in a moment, what we're going to do is simply going to pray a prayer all together. But just to give you a point of decision, mostly between you and God, if you're saying to yourself today, whether it's first time or first time in a long time, I'm going to say yes to Jesus Christ. Would you just lift up your hand where you are? We'll see that hand. You can put it back down. And we're going to